Well, maybe I was feeling a little optimistic that day, but how does number 16 sound for Missouri? This and other reactions to the Locked On Top 25 poll coming up right now on Locked On Mizzou. You are Locked On Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And you should make every moment more right now. When you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get a bonus bet every time they win in the regular season. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. And you know what? I was feeling good yesterday. I got to say, when I filled out Locked On's Top 25 poll revealed this morning here on social media, and you know what? Missouri did not make the poll. I will tell you that right now. But, well, it wasn't my fault. I actually, when I filled out my poll yesterday, I had the Tigers all the way up as the 16th best team in the country. And my logic for this is actually pretty simple. In fact, let's throw that poll up on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube right now. As you can see here, as I said before, the Tigers not among the top 25, but my logic is once you get past, say, the top 14 or 15 or so, you look at Kansas State, the Wildcats, as the number 16 team in the country, North Carolina at 17, of course, the national runner-ups, TCU at 18 last year. To me, once you get past the top 15, I think it's all kind of a crapshoot. There isn't a ton of difference between, say, the 16th best team in the country and the 36th best team in the country, in my opinion. To me, you can throw Missouri, Florida, Kentucky, South Carolina, any of those kind of teams into the mix. And, well, I guess it's me just being... Maybe it's the optimistic glow of the offseason, but I like this Missouri team better than most. I really do, and I think I predicted them uh, just a couple weeks ago. I already did my game-by-game predictions. To me, it was a toss-up between, I think Missouri's going to go 1-1 one and one against Kansas State and Arkansas. Not sure which one is going to go that way, but overall, I think 8-4 and four is about right for what I think is going to be an elite defense an improved offense, and as usual under Drinkwitz, a solid group of special teams, place kicking, all that good stuff. I suppose when you go and actually look at it, you know, maybe I should have had Missouri maybe 20th closer to that instead of 16th. If you look at who was 16th last year, well, LSU had three losses in the regular season. Oregon State just behind them, the same deal. So maybe I was a little bit optimistic at 16, but you know what, what can I say? I wanted to give Missouri some positive pub and just kind of plant my flag that, yeah, I think they're going to be better than the consensus expects this season. But overall, let's look at the rest of this top 25 here. Obviously, Georgia being number one, the two-time defending national champions. No surprise there. The only quibble I have in the top four, I actually have Alabama second. My voters have them fourth with Michigan and Ohio State second and third, respectively. USC fifth, LSU sixth. I'm pretty much on board with that. 
The only one that really stands out here, Clemson at eighth, to me, seems a little bit more of a reputation thing. I actually would flip Tennessee and Clemson, the two orange teams there stacked on top of each other, if you're looking at my graphic. I'm just more optimistic that Tennessee can keep it going despite their quarterback questions. Obviously, Joe Milton is the new guy under center taking the shotgun stabs instead of Hendon Hooker this season, but... Who even knew who Hendon Hooker was this past season before the year, quite honestly? I've got pretty good confidence in Josh Heupel to be able to put together a good offense once again. Just more confidence than I have in Texas and Washington and even Florida State coming into the season. I'll be honest, I haven't done a complete deep dive on the entire country at this point, but that's just how my gut is feeling right now. The rest of the top 25 don't really have a lot of quibbles with any of them other than the Texas A&M Aggies at 25th. And although the projections actually like the Aggies better than that, I've seen them as high as 15th or 16th or so in some projections just based on on paper, their high school recruiting has been so strong the last few seasons. But I don't know, I just kind of want to see it to believe it in College Station this year. I'm just not getting the best vibes. Again, I'll do a bigger deep dive and have another crack at this top 25 before the season starts for sure. And shifting gears here back to Mizzou football specifically, I was talking a lot yesterday about how the new Missouri name, image, and likeness laws are even more favorable to Missouri than we previously thought. Well, I will say something I forgot to bring up yesterday. Scott over on YouTube had a good comment. He said, I see a huge hole in this law. There's going to be players that sign letters of intent to play here. Then after they get their money, they're in the transfer portal or decommitting for another school. Well, Indeed, that is certainly a possibility here. I I have no question about that. And it's something I should have brought up, just kind of ran out of time in the segment yesterday. But no doubt that that's true. In theory, for instance, actually it goes even further than that. It's not just about, oh, once they sign their letter of intent. Again, as I said yesterday, now, for example, Williams Winery, who the Lee Summit product, top five player in the country on the defensive side of the ball, Well, Monday, he's going to announce his intentions. In theory, he could sign a financial aid agreement, for example, or some other type of written agreement. Again, this is according to the Missouri law that's going to be in place August 28th. Well, he could then start getting name, image, and likeness money from people perfectly legally, at least according to Missouri law. And it certainly doesn't seem like the NCAA is stepping in and doing anything about name, image, and likeness right now. So for all intents and purposes, this is a huge advantage for the Tigers. But as Scott says, again, in theory, Winery could collect all this money for the next few months here and then on National Signing Day say, ah, you know what, I've changed my mind and I'm actually going to go to Oklahoma or Georgia or Tennessee or wherever. After all, it turns out, he could then essentially double dip on a couple different schools in the same year, if you will. Well, yeah, he could do that. I I just don't see that being a a likely scenario. I just don't, that would be a pretty slimy move. Let's be honest. And, you know, for, especially for a guy like Winery, who obviously has NFL type aspirations, you know, NFL teams do notice that kind of stuff. They don't love that type of 
bad character behavior, if you will. And I don't know, just that level of sneakiness. I just don't see that being the norm. Could it happen? Sure. Could things happen? Certainly if Eli Drinkwitz were fired or something like that or you know, left for the NFL. Again, I'm just conjuring, you know, imaginary hypothetical scenarios here where Winery may change his mind. I, I just don't think it's, there's going to be a lot of, aha, I'm going to take this school for a ride. And then at the last second, just kidding. I had a handshake deal with X, Y, or Z. That just doesn't strike me as a scenario that's going to happen very often, but could it happen in theory? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad Scott pointed it out. And coming up, after reviewing the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl win once again recently, it did come to my attention, there's a couple plays that were run, one by the Eagles, one by the Chiefs, that I would be shocked if both of them don't come and make their way into the college football ranks in a big-time way this season. Frankly, Kirby Moore, if you're not putting them in your playbook, I think you're being a little bit derelict in your duties. So I do want to talk about that, but first let's talk about bird dogs. And you want to talk about making you look good. Obviously running those plays, I think will make Missouri look good, but bird dogs make you look good in their stretch khaki shorts, which are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. And what man doesn't want to have sculpted looking calves? Basically these shorts are doing the same thing as what your more expensive Lululemon varieties do, but they actually fit way better, in my humble opinion. And by the way, thanks to Bird Dogs for sending me this lovely white tech hat, by the way. Thank you very much for that. I can just tell you from personal experience, I love all of Bird Dogs products. have not had the pleasure of trying the stretch khakis yet, but if they're anything like their swim trunks, Man, you're going to love them. I promise you that. So go to birddogs.com slash college. Enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat, just like I'm wearing right now. That's birddogs.com slash college or promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you that. Thanks for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen every day. And for you every day, there's tomorrow on the program. We're going to talk about today's practice, which is just uh, about to kick off or start, I should say, in about 30 minutes as we record here. So I'll have all the pertinent details for you tomorrow. But I don't know about you. I've been enjoying this summer the Netflix docuseries Quarterback. Of course, I'm a huge Kansas City Chiefs fan. Even more, uh, even a bigger fan of Patrick Mahomes, honestly. So being able to revisit what was one of the most incredible playoff runs by a quarterback I've ever seen, it just really is something when you remember, oh yeah, that's how bad his ankle injury was. Oh yeah, he tweaked it again in the first half when the Chiefs were down 10 at halftime in the Super Bowl and Boy, just you almost forget how incredible you put all those details together. It was just such a run for the Chiefs. But regardless here, the point is something that when it comes to the Tigers anyway, I, I think Missouri, Kirby Moore, and every team in college football needs to be running a couple plays from that Super Bowl. Number one, the obvious one, the Jalen Hurts push play. The Philadelphia Eagles would basically line up 
under center, run a sneak, but also the push element is the guys who are behind Jalen Hurts. They'd put AJ Brown, the big six foot four, you know, two hundred plus pound wide receiver behind him, have him shove him from behind some tight end or something too, put a couple guys back in the backfield just to push the pile, essentially. And as long as that's a legal play, and it has been legal now for a decade or so, maybe longer than that. Well, what the heck? I mean, I don't see why everyone can't do that. I understand not everyone has Jalen Hurts as a rusher and all that good stuff, but I don't know. The secret sauce there is just the design of the play, not necessarily the quarterback himself. Another one, again, short yardage couldn't be more important either. But So that's one thing I think just about everyone in college football should be practicing as we speak. Another one is from the Kansas City Chiefs side. The Chiefs actually scored a couple touchdowns on this, I believe, at least one to Kadarius Toney. And the reason I thought of this is something that should definitely come to college football in particular. No doubt NFL football, too, will be copying this play. But what happened is essentially Kadarius Toney, the Chiefs wide receiver, former Florida Gator, by the way, the Tigers have seen him before. When Toney came in motion, what you will see on film is the guy who's playing him ostensibly his man, but obviously this is a zone coverage. Maybe it's a man coverage. Regardless, there's sort of a basketball-like switch happening a lot. You could see Missouri's defense and Blake Baker doing this a lot last season. Hey, the guy, the jet sweep guy's in motion, and what happens is the guy on that side of the field will signal and pass him off to another defender. So that's essentially like a switch in basketball. But what the Chiefs did is, well, they took that action, that jet sweep motion, and did it and, and put it against the, mo- the switch. Well, they used the switch against the opposition, against the Eagles. So as soon as Kadarius Toney makes his usual jet motion, well, the ball is snapped. He immediately plants his foot in the ground and goes the opposite direction. So what happens? Essentially, now you've switched to no one. The guy who switched is way away from the play. He's not expecting Tony to run around the right side of the defense. Well, now he's running to the left side of the out-of-bounds boundary. Good luck being able to to play that. Essentially, you're going to be now forcing defenses, including Missouri's, by the way, makes communication even more difficult. You're going to make them question switching and maybe just have to abandon that way to play the jet sweep whatsoever. So I just think that little adjustment there that the Chiefs showed us on top of what the Eagles showed us all season, quite honestly, I think you're almost derelict in your duties if you're Kirby Moore and not putting that type of stuff into the playbook. And coming up, I, like most of you, I think, are not a huge fan of the last few moves of realignment, especially the Pac-12 dying for all intents and purposes. How many fans were actually asking for that? Were it, did any of us want the lion's share of this to happen? Well, that's one of my questions, but you know what? Maybe it isn't all bad. I'm certainly not saying I know what's going to happen in the future, but let's actually have an optimistic hypothetical situation here. Maybe there is something about the future of college football that might actually be better in the future. At least that's my 
optimistic take. But first, I want to tell you, hey, you don't have to be an optimist to know about FanDuel Sportsbook because football season is about to kick off and FanDuel is giving you the chance to win all season long. Right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every time they win in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use your bonus bets on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. So first of all, it's kind of amusing and I suppose natural in this situation in the wake of the Big 12s, or excuse me, the Pac-12s, well, their essential death, the blame game has really been coming on in earnest. Of course, some people think it's the Big Ten's fault. Of course, the SEC has its share of the blame in some ways, I suppose, although not really. Oh, I guess you could blame the Big 12 for, for taking the, the Colorado back or this thing or the other thing. Heck, maybe even this is all Missouri's fault, right, for for starting realignment years ago. That's sarcasm, people. But the one, t- the one entity that really seems to be escaping most of the blame, though, is the Pac-12 itself and their massive, massive leadership failures, their inability to secure a a long-term rights deal, and frankly, at the beginning of a lot of this, their arrogance, them just thinking, hey, we're, we're ahead of the curve here. We're going to make our own network, go out on our own, yada, 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 not realizing that, gee, maybe nationally, that people like the Pac-12, they like Pac-12 football, but maybe they can live without it. I think a lot of cable companies called their bluff there, and a lot of satellite companies as well. And unfortunately for the PAC 12, that was kind of the beginning of the end, their entire television and media rights situation. And really who's to blame there, but them ultimately themselves. But at the same time here, it does suck as a fan knowing that nobody really asked for this. Who was it? You know, you go back to Arkansas and South Carolina when they moved to the sec. Hey, that made all the sense in the world. And I'm sure those fan bases were very excited back in the early 90s to make that move. Certainly the other leftovers in the Southwest Conference, again, who deserves the blame for the Southwest Conference going down? Clearly the Southwest Conference itself and the members of those schools. Just tons of recruiting scandals and all that stuff that basically brought down that place. Well, obviously Texas, A&M, Baylor, Tech, they all land on their feet in the Big 12. That merger did make some sense, obviously, at a certain point, but who was asking for Maryland and Rutgers to be in the Big Ten? Who was asking for USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten? Certainly their fans are excuse me, or their fans are telling themselves right now, hey, we're happy about this because we don't want to be in a dying Pac twelve. I get it. I'm just saying put yourself 10, 15 years ago, when it seemed like the Pac-12 was doing just fine, were any of you going, gee, I hope one day we're in the Big Ten. That'll make this all so much better. It just seems to me that everyone in charge has forgotten what actually makes college sports work. It's frankly the same reasons, more or less, that make high school sports work. 
the hometown, the home state, root for the young, the young bucks to, you know, come home and make good, whatever the stupid cliche is. And even if in college, again, obviously it's not literal hometown guys more often than not, but even if Kobe Brown is from Huntsville, Alabama, or Chase Daniels from, from Texas, or Brad Smith is from Ohio, they still feel like our guys. And obviously, local rivalries are a tremendous part of high school football. Just look in Columbia here. You got Hickman and Rockbridge. You know, obviously, battle has been added to the mix over the years. But the point is that that rivalry, the Providence Bowl, is always going to mean something. And while the Hickman fans, the Rockbridge fans, who are really into Friday Night Lights at those particular places, well, if they never played Hickman or Rockbridge, respectively, vice versa, if they never played ever again, sure, people would still be into Rockbridge football. Those diehard fans would be. But I would argue there would be something massively, massively lost there. And that's the most obvious statement of all time, especially when, okay, we're going to replace... If you're a Rockbridge fan, we're going to replace Hickman on the schedule with, I don't know, some team from Utah or something. Is that really, is that moving the needle for you? Is that, is this a big win for high school football? Obviously, that's an insane hypothetical scenario, except that this is essentially what we've done in college football in order to, to secure supposedly a short-term bag of some sport, of some sort. So that gets me back to, hey, I just... Once again, I said I was going to do a positive side. I just laid out a lot of negative, right? So let's be a Pollyanna for a second, shall we? I will just say this. If college football one day, maybe college football and basketball together, I don't know. Seems more likely that football on its own may someday break off from the NCAA, from the rest of college sports in general, and form its own thing. And frankly... When it comes to the rest of the sports, whether that's good for college football or not, we can argue that. I don't think it's arguable whatsoever that the sooner the rest of these sports, the Olympic sports, the non-revenue sports, whatever you call them, the sooner they can decouple from the power that is college football, well, the better for them. Because, again, my example of, okay, Rockbridge is playing some team in Utah now, that's basically what you're doing with these Olympic sports now. If you're going to make UCLA play Rutgers in women's field hockey or softball or something, I'm sorry, you're just bastardizing those sports now. You really are. And as somebody, listen, I'll be honest, I haven't spent a ton of my life, in fact, almost 0% of my life watching Missouri Olympic sports. But as a father of daughters and just as a sports fan in general, I'm glad that all of these sports exist. And they're being obviously lessened tremendously for absolutely no, no reason whatsoever for their own gain. The players don't gain, as Eli Drinkwitz pointed out earlier in the week. Certainly the fans don't gain, as I've just laid out right here. Do the athletes gain from this? Obviously, as I just, as I've realized, I thought I was getting a third thing there, and I just repeated the first thing. But the point is, none of us are really winning from this, are we? I don't think we are, but... If, again, we decouple football from everything else, what does that look like? Well, as a Missouri fan, as long as Missouri's still in it, well, that's that's actually probably a good thing because if football is able to decouple, to 
branch off, form its own thing. Maybe they'll actually be somebody in charge of this thing who cares about the actual future of this sport and growing new fans for future generations. Because the further and further you get away from local rivalries and the traditions that those are about, well, what do you really have? Then you just have minor league football at that point. And as we've seen with the XFL and the USFL, there isn't a real big appetite for minor league football in this country, but yet college football really works, and massively so, even though technically an XFL team could maybe take on and beat Alabama and Georgia. That, that's, a, that's, a, that's possible. I don't know. But the point is nobody cares. So, again, if you care about the future of this sport, if you're in charge – you better start caring about what the fans think and what makes these sports profitable and so popular in the first place. And to me, it just seems like no one's doing that. My optimistic hope is that someday when the dust settles, somebody in charge will go, hey, you know what was good when Missouri and Kansas played football every year? Hey, you know, Missouri and Kansas State, by the way, the last Yet last season, Missouri got trounced by the Wildcats. They're looking to bounce back this year. A lot of smack talk has been renewed by Kansas State fans and Missouri fans. In fact, Kansas State fans are about as, as vocal as you're going to find on the internet. And quite frankly, I love that. It's fun. I like getting the hate going with the Wildcats again. What's wrong with that? In fact, nothing is wrong with that. It's wonderful, ladies and gentlemen. So... While I'm not saying that, that I think this is going to happen, I'm holding out hope that it will. So thanks once again for listening to Locked on Mizzou and for you every dayers. Once again, going to talk about today's football practice tomorrow. So check me out tomorrow. I'll have all the details for you right here. I'm Locked on Mizzou.